Um, I'm nervous. Um, we start a new series right now for 12 weeks. And this could be one of the most difficult series that I have ever participated in. As a matter of fact, if I would have been paying more attention when we decided to do Ecclesiastes and Foth and Lucas talked us into it, um, <laughs> I would have just said, no, we're not doing it. Because it's Ecclesiastic, it's a really hard book because it's depressing. And I'm an optimistic person. If you've been around me very long, I, I see the glass half full. I like talking about, you know, the things that inspire us and let's take the mountain and let's get it done and we can and God's bigger. And see, I'm just going to preach on that. Forget what I have here. But this is not that. This, what we're about to do today is difficult for me and I really need you to release me to struggle. Because I, I don't know how this is going to go. I'm speaking the next three weekends and... And it's tough. Matter of fact, next week in the name of the sermon is what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. Okay? So we're going to be talking about that. But today we're talking, the series is called The Facts of Life. Do you know the facts of life? That's a tricky question. How many of you parents are at that stage right now where you're talking about that? Um, doing life as an apprentice today, will you be a learner? And what are some things we can learn to understand our place on the earth. This earth is not our final destination. How many of you know that? And Solomon is about to find this out front and center, and he's going to give us his opinion as to why life on this earth is so tough. And it is tough. And it feels hopeless, as a matter of fact, by some of the things he's going to tell us. In your outline, I want you to, by the way, how many of you are in a small group you're going to be discussing this? Get in a small group, you guys. This is a series you need to discuss. There's no way we can give it all here. Matter of fact, I would say this. Just start one. And you can go online to our small group's blog site, and you can download the videos and all the workbooks. And even if you do it by yourself, just get involved in a weekly study of this. I don't think you'll be sorry you did that. Number one in your outline is this. Understanding Solomon... And the term life under the sun. Understanding Solomon and the term life under the sun. Here's the deal. For those of you who have no idea what Ecclesiastes is about or who Solomon is, Solomon has done a study of life. Now he's the king of Israel. He lives in Jerusalem. He's had the luxury of leading a nation that has had no war for four decades. That means... There is incredible wealth in the treasury. I mean, a lot of countries spend up to 60 to 70 percent in this day and age on war of, of, of their income and their wealth. So it's just being stockpiled. I'll tell you next week, you won't believe how much money this guy was worth and, and daily. It's just ridiculous. Um, so he, the treasury is full. It means that he has nothing really to do or worry about. So he gives himself an assignment. He says, I'm going to check out every possible pleasure known to man. I'm going to go experiment with everything. Hedonism, sexually, unbelievable what Solomon did to fulfill his sexual desires. Financial, art, ar architecture, the things he built, food. I mean, it's it's mind-boggling the food. We're going to share some of this with you throughout the series of 
of how they prepared food and why. And just all for finding the perfect food, wine. Huge. He was trying to find the perfect wine. And he went on this quest. And so it's, it's, it's not all holy what he does. It's actually, some of it's pretty sad. And, and it leaves him empty. And that's the point. Because he says life under the sun is referring to life down here on the earth without God. What does the earth give us? What does life here give us? Chuck Swindoll says this. Um, by the way, that phrase, under the sun, is used 29 times in the book of Ecclesiastes and never again in the entire Old Testament. So it's definitely his phrase. Chuck Swindoll says, under the sun refers to our physical earthly life, which is characterized by pointless and grievous labor. Lovely, huh? We have several philosophies in our culture that describe some of the thought cycle conveyed in Ecclesiastes through this phrase, under the sun. So listen carefully to just four or five of them. One would be secular humanism. Secular humanism is man is supreme in the universe and we rule. And there are many who hold to this philosophy. Another one would be materialism. You've seen the bumper sticker, heard the phrase, he who dies with the most toys wins. Materialism will fulfill me. Going after the new thing, going after the new gadget, I will be fulfilled. It basically says the physical universe is all there is, and that's where I need to get my fulfillment. Naturalism is really popular in our culture. It's this, the natural flow of the universe is not disrupted by the supernatural. Naturalism says God will never intervene. Another one would be agnosticism. This might be the most prevalent in our culture. Agnosticism simply says we don't know whether there is a God or not. We're human. We don't know. But it's most likely that there isn't. So we can't have hope in God because we don't really know if there is a God. And then atheism, which you'd be familiar with, that there is no God to whom we are accountable wouldn't that be kind of nice? <laughs> the truth is, I believe there is some accountability from God. And as we walk through some of these verses, you're going to see right, right away, Solomon is adamant that there is no ultimate satisfaction in this world, on this earth, under the sun, without God. None. Here's what I need you to know. There can be moments of temporary satisfaction that's what causes addictive behaviors because there is a moment in which wow this is what i've been looking for but it will all fall apart because in the long run it will not leave you fully fulfilled in your life now this is where the challenge starts um there's a sense of hopelessness here but stay with me number two in your outline is everything meaningless it's a big question. It's a good question, and we need to ask it. Is everything meaningless? Sometimes you reach places in your life where it's sort of, you get so apathetic, you feel this way. Look at what he says in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 1. These are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Vanity, vanity, he talks about in the King James Version. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. 
Now, as I read some of this text and walk through this today, we must keep in mind that Solomon is giving us his opinion. Some of the things he makes statements about are simply his opinions and they're based on his experiences. While it is true that he actually said these things and holds these views, it does not mean that his opinion is the same as what God would declare. Um, So we can't just assume everything he says during this philosophical study about life on earth is an absolute truth. You following me there? It's his journal. How would you like a hundred years from now if you keep a journal for someone to open it up and read through it and try to make sense of it? Okay, that's what we're doing with the book of Ecclesiastes. It's just his writings as he experiences all these crazy things. So the big question that we're going to ponder over these next week, few weeks is this. What makes living your life on this earth meaningful? I'd love for you to write that down. At least get it in your head. And, and we'll try to, don't try to answer that too quickly. Okay, I'll read it again. What makes living your life on earth meaningful just ponder that this week and next week and as we go through this give it some thought number three in your outline what is this vicious cycle that solomon talks about okay we're about to get into some really interesting verses what is the vicious cycle of life that can beat us up and drag us down number number five verse five the sun rises and the sun sets then hurries around to rise again the wind blows south and then blows north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again into the sea. Everything is wearisome, beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. Boy, this is exciting, isn't it? Look at these analogies that he uses. I mean, just, he just pulls, and this is what his findings are. He talks about nature. There are three kind of nature analogies. He talks about the sun, that it rises and it sets, and it rises and it sets, and, it ri- and it's so predictable, on and on and on. Matter of fact, you could look up the exact time that the sun is going to set on April 26, 2018. It's that exact. There is order in this universe. And Solomon is saying... Here we are. Who cares? It's going to happen whether I live or die. He uses the analogy of the wind blowing in circles from the north, from the south. We live in Colorado. We get this one, don't we? You just don't know. You turn the umbrella this way, and then it takes it this way. And then you turn it back around this way, and it just swirls around. The rivers. He's almost disgusted that the rivers all flow into the ocean, but it never changes. You know, a little tide movement, but it's never full. And then it rains again, and the rivers are full, and they flow into the ocean again. Then he moves to us. He moves to the physical rather than nature. He, He talks about our sight, and he makes an interesting statement. He says, we always want to see more. How many of you have heard of YouTube? And I get these things all the time, and it's like, oh, you've got to see this. It'll change your life. You know, it's the cutest kitty. I'm 
don't send me these anymore. You know, it's like there's amazing things. But we see a beautiful sunset. We want to see another one. We want to see a prettier one. We want to see a better one. I just need to see more. That's why things like pornography are so addictive is because we will never be satisfied. There is an appetite in us that wants to see more. And it just leads us deeper and deeper and deeper. Then he says, and you want to hear more. So that sound was good, but this is even better. And, and, and suddenly we want to just be surrounded. And boy, we live in a world, I'm Solomon would be jealous of your stereo. I mean, he had live music, but you've got the surround sound going on. You know what I'm saying? Um, but no matter what you put in your house or your car, have you ever driven by one of these cars that's going boom, boom, boom. <laughs> looking around like is the lord coming back <laughs> i guarantee you if you stop that person and said is it perfect is this everything you wanted they would say well there's this one more little thing i need because i want to hear just a little bit more then then there's this quest for something new um we constantly want something new. And Solomon's saying, there is nothing new. And I was thinking about this. There's a lot of things new since his, his day. I mean, like the Internet, right? He didn't have the Internet. But here's his point. His point is all the Internet does is give you stuff that's always been. It's just new versions of the same stuff. And he's just fed up. He's done with it. Then he says, we don't recall or learn from the past anyway. The future generations won't either. You guys, is he right? Is he right? Is life under the sun pretty much meaningless? You know, that, that, the drive for that new thing that we think will fulfill us. It's interesting to watch both Christian and non-Christian on this earth, life under the sun. If I just had that new job, if I just won the lottery, if I just made more money, I just need that new house, I just need a new spouse, I just need this affair, I need it for me, I need a new baby, I need a new fling, I need a new religion, I need some new food, I need a new country, a new vacation. It goes on and on and, and that those buttons get pushed in us here on this earth because we are never completely fulfilled. It's haunting almost. Solomon is right in so many of these things as I look at it. We get caught in meaningless cycles all the time. I was thinking about my own life, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't feel stuck, but I do have cycles and rhythms. <laughs> I was thinking about this today, getting up this morning. I'm, I'm, I, like, I wake up early, fairly naturally, and, and I love to go make a pot of coffee, and I go down to my little study and blah, blah. I, go, I just have this whole little routine. I can almost do it with my eyes closed. And there's the coffee this morning. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Take the coffee. I know exactly how long it's going to take to perk, so I do other things in there, and I get the coffee, go sit in my office in my chair, and then read a while, pray a while, and Bonnie wakes up, and Bonnie comes down, and I say, the coffee's ready. She says, great. She walks down the stairs, and so I walk into the living room, we sit down. Tell me about your day. Tell me about your day. Tomorrow morning, we'll do the same thing again. It'll be... And it's this rhythm, it's this cycle. And, and we, how many of you, we, we just get in this repetitive thing. And without knowing it, sometimes we can really get stuck. And, and then, I, here's, here, this is hard, this is a hard part. Sometimes I fear that Christians use phrases that are not really helpful or not really true to help other people feel good on this earth under the sun. 
So we, we say things that we're trying to give them hope. But, but here, here's the deal. We can't just say things that are based on hope. We're trying to give people hope, but hope in hope alone is not true hope. Hope must be based on true facts and reliable promises, not vague, misty-eyed sentimentalism. Quick fixes usually fail. And we say to people, it'll all work out. Well, what does that mean? Yeah, it's going to all work out all right, and then you die. The, the, the perfect one, you know, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel, and we, we know it's a train, right? It's coming down the track, and it's going to wipe us out. We have all these phrases that we say to somehow make people feel better about their challenge, and sometimes we say it even if it isn't true, and it's really not going to happen. Why? Because life under the sun on this earth doesn't necessarily give us that promise. Well, can God intervene? Can God show up and intervene in life under the sun? Yes, He can. And I'm thankful for that. That's about the most positive thing I'm going to say the rest of the morning. (laughs) Just kidding. Life under the sun without God is ultimately disappointing. It's hurtful. It's unfulfilling. And it will always end in despair. Always. Matter of fact, if you are here today in either one of these auditoriums without God, and you're kind of proud of that, like, I don't really do God, I don't do the God thing, I just got to tell you, dude, you're done. You have no hope. You're not going to find anything in this world that's going to bring ultimate satisfaction into your life. Nothing. So good luck with that. Consider what C.S. Lewis Lewis wrote. This is fascinating to me. He says this. It's a paragraph, so listen carefully. Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it and to suggest that the real thing is in another life. This is the key today. Because when we try to have total, ultimate fulfillment on this earth, under the sun, we are being set up to fail. We were created by God in the Garden of Eden, where it was perfection, where there was ultimate fulfillment. But because of the free will of man, and Adam and Eve... They messed it up. And if it would have been you there or me there, we would have as well. But that free will got them in trouble. And they made a decision. And the fallen world happened. And we live in it. And guess what? This isn't heaven. This isn't our permanent home. 
And sometimes when I feel discouraged, when I'm going down that road, I actually say, this is how I'm supposed to feel. Because the ultimate fulfillment won't be here as it is now. How can I feel good about the injustices in this world? How can I feel good and happy and fulfilled after watching the news at night? Okay, I'll stop. Wow. Number four. What is it that we should learn from Solomon? Well, there's a ton of things, and that's why this is a 12-week series instead of one. I wish it was just one. Verse 12. I, the teacher, was king of Israel, and I lived in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. I observed everything going on under the sun, and really, it is meaningless, like chasing the wind. What is wrong cannot be made right. What is missing cannot be recovered. I said to myself, look, I am wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all of this is like chasing the wind. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. So quit school. It's just not worth it, man. Get on with living. I'm kidding. Young people are like, do you hear that, Mom? Do you hear that? No. It's pretty bleak, isn't it? Wow. Solomon tells us in chapter 1 what his findings are at the end of his experiment. That's what we just read. And so right in the beginning, he tells us what he's going to do. And then he just throws in these few sentences that says, I've done it all. And it's like chasing the wind. There is no answer. There is no hope under the sun without God. You won't find anything that fulfills you here permanently. It's all temporary. Last thoughts, the challenge. And I want to challenge you with these. Number one, will I be intentional about learning? Doing life as an apprentice means I'm going to show up these next 12 weeks. I'm going to read Ecclesiastes. I'm going to read some commentaries. I'm going to go through my workbook. And I'm going, to, I'm going to really stretch my thinking about what's going on in my life under the sun here on this earth. My attitude, my willingness, my humility. How will I engage? How will I listen? Number two in your outline there is will I trust God to break the cycles? Because God can. Because the one thing I want you to hear is that God does intervene in life under the sun. And that's the hope that we do have in this whole story. But I'm afraid sometimes we try to satisfy our needs in ways that really are just temporal. Number three, how will I overcome depression? <laughs> I put this one in there just for me. <laughs> How will I overcome depression? You know, um, this might surprise some of you that I'm going to say this because it's not like me to say it. And again, I'm, I'm struggling through figuring this out too. But I believe that depression and discouragement come to us much more naturally 
than hope and optimism. Especially on this earth, life under the sun. The main reason for this, in my mind, is what Solomon refers to as life under the sun. Life here on earth does not and will not offer the answer for us to have ultimate, ultimate fulfillment. We can have hope in God, and we should, but we are still living on this earth, and its answer will always leave us empty. If you find yourself depressed or discouraged or wounded or stuck or trapped, please ask this question, okay? Am I willing for, am I waiting for an answer that's going to come from something on this earth? Am I asking someone or something on this earth to fix me? Maybe you don't need to be fixed as much as you think. You are simply living in a place that cannot provide the answers that you need and that you are looking for. See, learning in these moments to try to see life above the sun can change your perspectives perspectives as you live under the sun. Not to fixate on the answer here, but asking God to teach you how to lean into His arms in a way that requires real faith, real hope in God, way beyond man. I believe sometimes that feeling that I have that it's never going to be right on this earth is put there by God. And it's how I should feel. So for those of you who are struggling with this right now, Maybe you're just exactly where you need to be. And you're disgusted with our world. And you're sick of injustice. And you're tired of reading stories about it. And you long, you long for something that is different than this. Anyone else want that? Guess what? That's the kingdom of God. That's what you're created for. So what's the, what's the takeaway today? Just wait until I die? Oh yeah, that's great. No. The, the takeaway is this. Why would I spend my life seeking to have ultimate fulfillment while I'm living life under the sun? That is not the goal. The goal is to understand I'm here, I'm stuck here to do a purpose, to have a mission that comes from God that is not about my fulfillment. It is about something more than that. It is about something beyond that. It is about engaging with God to say, the world can change as I interact and obey and do the will of God in my life and not just live for the next fix. Get out of yourself. Let's get out of ourselves. And let's say, God, spin me. I don't need to be fulfilled. As a matter of fact, I'm not even looking for fulfillment anymore because Solomon's proved I'm never going to find it. So why don't you just use me in the kingdom instead and my life will have purpose and it will have meaning and it won't be about good old number one. So there you have it. Let's pray. Wow, Lord, I'm really challenged by this. I don't know if I live that way. Because I like to be fulfilled. We like to be fulfilled. And there's so many times that you do fulfill us. But help us... To understand this earth, this world as it is, will not provide an answer for us. And we will live in that tension until we are permanently with you. So, because of that, show us what we need to do and how we need to live our lives so differently. 
Let this be a seed that's planted today where not all answers are given, but a journey begins. I'm just going to ask everyone in these auditoriums to start that journey with me today. To be open, to look at your life a little differently over these next weeks, because it's going to rattle your cage in, in ways maybe that it hasn't been rattled in a while. That's okay. Accept that. Look around deeper. Ask some hard questions about your life. I want to pray for some of you that have some of these traits that we've talked about. And the first would be just the feeling of hopelessness. If, if you have the feeling of hopelessness in your life, um, I want to pray over you because that hopelessness is partly because you're looking for answers on this earth you're not going to find. And yet it could be because you're not leaning hard enough on God and it could just be the situation you're in. But if you're struggling with hopelessness and you just would raise your hand to say, pray for me, I'm, I'm living in that. It's scary. Hold up your hand, please. In either auditorium, you, you can put them down. God bless you. Thank you. It's a real thing. Lord, we need you. We need you, Lord, to just touch us. We need you to change us. We need you to show us that you're really here and that you're making a difference in this moment and that you care about these feelings. We need you. Secondly, I want to pray for those of you that would just say, um, I have some cycles in my life, repetitive stuff that takes me... It's just like Solomon. It's just, I, it goes in here and it comes out there and it goes in here and it comes out there and I can't, I can't beat it. I'm looking for satisfaction, but I run to the same mud holes. And I think I'm going to get a different result, but I just keep running back. And then I want to see more and then I want to hear more. And then it leads me to this. Guys, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. And one of the ways to break that is to realize there is no permanent satisfaction in it. Raise your hand with me if that's you. God bless you. Lastly, this is pretty blunt what I'm about to say, but if the Holy Spirit's drawing you to God today, if you're here without God and you're one of those that have claimed and not really want to know God, you don't even know if there is a God, I feel most sorry for you. Because you're going to seek every religion, you're going to seek out and read books, light candles, do everything that you might want to do, and you're not going to find it. And I want to pray for you. Because God loves you. He created you for more than that. Why are you in the search you're in? I'll tell you why. Because there's a God who wants you in that search. There's a void there for a reason. And He loves you that much. And I want to lead you in a prayer that says, Lord, I do believe today I'm coming to faith. And I'm going to start my journey with you. So if you want to pray that prayer... I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to come up here. We, we have some information we'll put in your hands before you leave. But in either auditorium today, if you know that's you, and you'll say, I'm in a search, and I want to begin today by putting my faith in this God I cannot see. That's why it's called faith. And I'm going to pray this prayer with you. Would you hold up your hand with me right now, please? Hold it up. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can look at me too if you want to, just so I know. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. God bless you. The South Auditorium, God bless you. Thank you for your response. Just trust God. Folks, there's a lot of people here today who God's really working on their heart. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Let's just pray for them and with them. But I'm going to ask them to join me in a prayer. 
from your heart. It doesn't have to be this word for word, but in your heart, say this, whisper it out loud. Lord, today's my day to come to you. I need you. And I feel your spirit drawing me. And it's real. And so I just trust now that even though I can't see you, you are the one who can fulfill my life. And you bring me hope under the sun. And you partner with me. And I trust you. I thank you, Lord, for your pain, for the death on the cross. I believe you died for my sin. Forgive me and cleanse me. I give you my future now in faith. In Jesus' name we pray this. And everyone said, Amen. Lord, thank you for being our hope today. Thank you for sending us out of here to make a difference in the world. Show us, God how to live this way and how to make application to these truths in our lives. We love you so much. I would like our prayer teams to come in both auditoriums and be available up in the front. And for those of you that lifted your hand and prayed a prayer with me today, we have these little pamphlets that that basically describe, they're written by Jeff Lucas, and it describes what you just did and what it means to be a believer, to follow Christ. And we also have a little 30-day devotional that we would like to put in your hands. So just come up here and they'll help you find that. Otherwise, remember, the service starts now. God bless you. Get out of here. Hey, go by the tables in the mall and see you at Summit. If you've not been there, 5 o'clock tonight. God bless you.